0: with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What is happening, Chicago Bears fans? This is... Formation conversation i'm your host lester wiltfung editor-in-chief over at windy city gridiron and i'm not going solo today i got a buddy of mine in to help me out with this head coach and gm search the chicago bears have been on so let me bring on robert schmidt you guys all know him he's at robert k schmidt's on twitter he is all over the podcast channel doing his own show and, and guessing all the other shows as well Plus, he has this great Run Past Opinion YouTube channel. So, Robert, how are you doing today?
2: I'm <laughs> doing all right, Lester. Thank you so much. That was a really wonderful introduction. Now, I know you told me we can't go too long this time, so I'll make sure I don't. I'm not as <laughs> wordy as usual, but That's tons so to talk through over yeah. a wild two weeks that I feel like, you know, maybe this has been going on a little longer than either of us want it to. But hey, at least the Bears are being thorough, or so we hope, right?
1: Well, it probably could have gone on longer if the Bears would have made a move at GM and head coach uh, before the end of the season. But that's oh, neither here nor there. So, so let's real quick go over the. We're going to go over the GM list first, and then we'll take a break, and we'll go over the head coaches stuff that's going on with Chicago. So, so let's talk about the guys that the Bears have confirmed to are, already have spoken with on the GM side of things. So that, of course, is this Chiefs executive uh, director of player personnel uh, Ryan Poles. Uh, they've also spoke with uh, senior executive from Miami. Reggie McKenzie, uh, Rand Carthen, the Niners' director of player personnel, uh, Elliot Wolf uh, from the Patriots. He is uh, his title is front office consultant. This is kind of how they do their their structure in New England. It Doesn't matter; they all have a, have a big say so on what's going on in, the, in that organization. Uh, of course, there's Ed Dobbs uh, from the Colts, who actually has already backed out of the uh, consideration. Um, and then uh, Joe Shine, uh, he interviewed as well, but. He has since accepted a job with the New York Giants. Monty Osenford, Titans director, player of personnel. Uh, they spoke with him. Uh, Jeff Ireland, uh, Saints assistant GM. Um, who else we got here? Of course, the Browns guys. We got Cuese Adolfo Mensa. Uh, they've also uh, spoken with Glenn Cook, who is the B- Browns VP, player of personnel. So that's that's pretty much the list. Now, real mm-hmm. quick about Ed Dobbs. You know, he, he backed out of the whole interview process. How much of that you think is because of Dobbs, like the report was, some reports say he blew his interview. Other reports are saying that he did not like the way the bear structured the interview process with him in there. What do you think it was? It's got to be a little of both, like a yeah. two things can be true kind of thing,
2: right? Because I get it. I mean, Dobbs, from everything that I understand about him, is incredibly confrontational. I mean, he is confrontational to the point of angry. I think of the character Craig, I don't remember his last name from uh, from Parks and Rec, played by Billy Eichner, just <laughs> loud if not angry and assertive all the time. I mean, this isn't the first GM race that he's recused himself from after blowing an interview, so to speak. Two other organizations have thought so, but also uh, the Chicago Bears organization, I don't think would take super well to somebody who's headstrong, very conflict-oriented, maybe a little bit arrogant, not the right audience. So I put a little bit of it on Dobbs, if only because if he wanted a GM job, which comes with a pretty hefty pay raise Lester you gotta think he'd be able to put on his nice hat and he didn't but I also wouldn't be surprised I mean I don't know it's, you're hearing the same reports I am about the Bears potentially using these GM interviews to re- to review people for other positions than GM which seems a little weird and maybe Dobbs didn't like that and maybe he was caught in an interview that was pretty similar to that but I don't know I'd pin blame on
1: both sides given that <laughs> we're not in the room you know what I mean you know, plus, it's kind of cool because Dobbs is coming from the, the Chris Ballard school of, of GMing over there, and that's who the Bears had in before they hired Ryan Pace, and Ballard, for all intents and purposes, was the was the clubhouse leader, Right. but Ballard wanted things changed in, in, in the structure of the way the Bears do things, so maybe Dobbs came in with the same kind of uh, edge to him that Ballard had, and maybe they just rubbed George McCaskey the wrong way
2: maybe and who knows maybe somebody as headstrong as look while we're in the realm of speculation maybe he took offense to questions that are pretty simple like why did you guys spend so much on carson wentz like why did you think that was the difference and who knows who who really knows but thankfully lester i don't think we're talking about the one that got away here with ed dobbs i mean i know he's very well liked across most twitter circles which i'll be the first to say lester since we haven't said it yet on this show I don't know anything about these guys. I mean, like, I yeah. don't talk to these people. I get secondhand reports from people who know. Thankfully, we have had Brad Spielberger on our own podcast channel. I know Bears Over Beers just recut that interview. He actually knows, not just through people he's plugged into, but has spoken to some of these candidates personally. And he's going to give a much better representation of what you're getting out of these candidates than – people like you and me who are going to just read some reports and take a guess. Right. But I feel like the bears have not just interviewed, but will interview stronger candidates in my opinion than Dobbs, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. The interview you talked about I'm bear, uh, Bears over beers with Brad Spielberger, uh, talking to JBEJ. Brad Spielberger actually works for Pro Football Focus now. Uh, in the past, he worked for Over the Cap, and I think he was also involved in the Vikings organization at some point there. Mm-hmm. So so he, he he's dialed in. So if he says something, he talks about these guys. He's talking firsthand. Uh, he's talking guys he you knows. So that was cool to learn because, like, like you said, half the guys, probably more than half the guys the Bears are interviewing for a GM job. I never heard of to be honest with you and 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 and, and why would we as as fans and, and analysts that cover the on-field product the stuff behind the scenes like I, i'm pretty good with knowing the bears guys in front office right i don't follow the colts front office so mm-hmm. it's good to hear someone like brad you know really break those guys down and talk about them uh, so, so so kind of going through the guys we just talked about the bears actually kind of have a finalist Because they have a second interview request for Ryan Poles, you know, who is the uh, chief's uh, chief's uh, executive director personnel. So, He's a finalist for a couple jobs, from what I understand. So he's a, he's a hot name right now.
2: Yeah, sorry if I'm laughing a little bit, Lester. If, if there's one thing that annoys me about this Bears head coaching search, I love the idea of being thorough. I love the idea of putting a ton of smart football people in front of George McCaskey so that maybe he can learn something, right? Not, not just be a fan, right? I, I love that idea. The problem here is that they're taking so long that even the guys they like are becoming finalists at other jobs. And would you believe it? Matt Eberfluss, finalist in Jacksonville, is also a finalist in Chicago. Yeah. We're not even done with the first round yet, and we've got a finalist purely because Ryan, Ful- Ryan Poles is desired elsewhere. I don't love that they are taking so long that they're letting other organizations drive their own pace, but... Like it's the Bears, and it, at the end it, of the day, it does
1: seem that's what's happening, right? It seems it like does. the Bears are reactionary. Oh, so we we have to do a second interview with Everflus because he has a second interview with the Jacksonville. Jaguars. We we so liked him. We, we can't miss out it. on yeah.
2: this guy. Yeah. And, and and I get it. I mean, if I was Everflus or any of these candidates, I would want my twenty five million dollar guaranteed contract from whoever's going to give it to me. And if the Bears are going to sit around and wait, and it's going to cost me this job, I'm going to take it when it's on the table in Jacksonville or something like that. Now. Thankfully, like we've talked about again, I go back to even if the Bears were third or fourth to the feeder, the guys that they're talking to. You haven't said their names yet, so I'm not allowed to mention them. But, uh, like guys like Elliot Wolf, guys wow. like uh, um, you were gonna mention them, right? What? <laughs> well, you, you said Wolf. You said Wolf already. They like the guys us, they yeah, have yeah. yet to interview. But so guys like Wolf, guys like the Browns guys, Cook and Adolfo Mensa, those are smart football people. And if they were theoretically third to the feeder and oh, they just had to hire one of them. I'm not upset about it. I want a GM that thinks of football from a holistic mindset. Let the coach coach. But what your job is as a GM is to stock the cupboard. It's to see the team realistically. And unlike what Ryan Pace did, understand when you aren't going to win the Super Bowl and aren't even going to make the playoffs and when you are and plan appropriately. The Bears right now don't have quite as much cap space as I think a lot of fans see them as. It's a it's a big number. They just don't have many of their own guys signed as is. So unless they're going with the studs and duds plan, you're not going to get more than about one, maybe two real free agent upgrades. And so a GM that's going to come in needs to see their lack of draft capital and their relatively medium amount of cap space. It's not dire, right, Lester? I feel like some people want to paint the bears into a corner where it sounds like they've got the least draft capital and they've got the least cap space. The bears suck and I hate them. And that's not where they are. But it's not as much as you would want. And so planning for the future is going to be key. Elliot Wolf is, from everything I've ever heard, really key to everything that the Patriots have done to keep a winning tradition alive, which is such a silly word to say. But, I mean, when you're winning with Mac Jones and also Tom Brady and also Jimmy Garoppolo and also Jacoby Brissett, I shrug my shoulders past a certain points and say they're just doing it well. The Browns organization, despite what's happened with Baker Mayfield is really well run. I mean, they stock the cupboard. That ta- that Their defense is loaded. Their offense is juiced with talent. The fact that their quarterback situation played out so poorly hid the fact that they have an extremely well-built roster. I mean, truly, the Cleveland Clarence is alive and well that that roster didn't even make the playoffs lesser. But it happens. They're probably a bit young. Talking about Adolfo Menso and Glenn Cook. Like, I don't know if they're ready to be GMs yet, but they're the right minds to be bringing in. And it's better, in my opinion, that they're bringing guys like them in along with Jeff Ireland than just the Jeff Ireland types that when you hire somebody like Bill Polian, you're expecting to see, like the old guard. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think that part of the process is who the Bears are looking to fill a couple roles here. You know, a guy like they like you with 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 a guy like the guys from the Browns, for example. You know, if you're bringing him in as the assistant GM in Chicago, you know, that's technically a promotion for them. Um, we haven't talked about yet, but a guy like Morocco Brown, who is the Colts, I think he's the, the, the number three guy there in their structure. If the Bears were to hire him as their number two, of course, that's a promotion for him going to the to the to the assistant GM job, so they can make that that move there without getting permission from the Colts to make that hire. So, so I think the Bears are looking to hire a couple guys here. Uh, they want to revamp an entire front office, and I think that's what they should do because it's been broken the last few years
2: oh man are we really allowed to talk about people at a turn because you just well, brought up morocco i, Brown. I did
1: because I'm, I'm going into it now let's talk about the guys the bears have have they have requests to talk to but they have not talked to yet and that's uh, <laughs> baltimore ravens director of college scouting uh joe hortiz um chargers director player personnel jojo wooden uh, we're also talking about uh, – who else we got here? We talk, uh, We just talked about Morocco Brown uh, with the Colts. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, VP of and Football Ops Omar Khan, I think is a favorite of a lot of uh, Bears fans. Um, and I think that is about it. No, we got, of course, the Texans, former Texans, VP Football Ops Rick Smith, who the buzz kind of died down on him. There was some buzz there earlier, but, you know, I'm not even sure I've seen the interview scheduled yet. Um, and right. then I think we also have – think that might be it that's all of them we talked to the other guys the other guys have already had their interviews so of, of the guys that have not talked to the bears yet of those guys who's your favorite in the oh group?
2: man it's so complicated lester because you asked me about favorite and this is why i love tier lists right yeah is because hortiz and Khan and probably probably not brown brown's fine but like hortiz Khan, and rick smith though i'm not certain on rick smith's motivations right like i don't actually know if he wants to continue GMing. GMing's a very heavy and intense job, and so I I don't know if he's ready for that yet. Like you said, that interview's not scheduled. Let's pretend it's not gonna happen for reasons that are entirely outside of the Bears' control. I'm so stoked that they're talking to anybody, let alone one of the highest up uh, in that Ravens organization, which might be one of the best run in football. The way they've built that team around Lamar Jackson is extraordinary, and I think Omar Khan does it. Like, his reviews have been Only good. I mean exclusively good from everything that I've heard. Again, we're talking secondhand sources. We're talking about hearing from Brad. We're talking about seeing the way that the Steelers run their team, but they are steady and consistent. I know, Lester, you and I alike have seen a Ben Roethlisberger that hasn't been good a couple years and the Steelers continue to make the playoffs, anyways, because whether it's Devin Bush, TJ Watt, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, they will trade for guys that they like, they will draft guys they like, they develop their talent well. And guys like Juju Smith Schuster, um, oh my gosh, it's not DeAndre Jordan that's that's a basketball player, obviously, but the wide receiver johnson thank you yes he's electric when he catches the ball uh and so the steelers and the way that they've gone about it they keep their cap in order they trade down when they need to they take the guys that they like really i would say their biggest blemish is drafting najee harris in the first round but that's neither here nor there because that's that was just a total build around ben move omar khan really excited joe hortiz really excited morocco brown Still excited, yeah. not as exciting as the other two, but makes a lot of sense. I mean, he comes from that Colts organization that's as well-run as it is. He spent time with the Bears. I mean, six years he worked for the Bears. It For a George McCaskey-led search, say what you will about Bill Polian, for a George <laughs> McCaskey-led search, I know the fan himself wants to see some bears ties. I still think that's a primary driver behind all these Leslie Frazier rumors. And so somebody like Morocco Brown just lines up, you know, though I think a lot of the talent and a lot of the guys that they're bringing in are really a grade candidates across the board.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always looked at if you're going to bring in a new gem or someone that's going to run your front office, you got to look to successful organizations and, and you know, you you talked about the Steelers, you know, they're always one of the best organizations, the Patriots and with Elliot Wolf and Elliot Wolf before his time in New England, he he spent some time in with the Green Bay Packers as well, which is as much as we hate to say it as bears fans, the Packers are a premier organization in the NFL. So, so pulling guys from, from, from the Ravens, from the Packers, from the Patriots. And then you look at more recent success, you know, the Browns and the Colts recent success they've had, you know, those are some pretty well-run franchises. So, if you can pluck one of their top execs to come in and run your show, that's a hell of a start to your front office in Chicago.
2: The way I've always heard it described for any Colts doubters out there is that uh, what is it? Yeah. Chris Ballard took the job with Andrew Luck as his starting quarterback and luck. Quite literally, yeah. as we all saw, because it happened against us, retired in the middle of a Bears player preseason game in week three at the time. So from there, could you criticize him for picking uh, Carson Wentz, who obviously Frank Reich has a very, very deep relationship with? Maybe. Could you Would you criticize him for taking Phillip Rivers on his last year of his career? Maybe. But given the hand they were dealt, you have – a franchise quarterback and they just up and retire at age 29. I feel like the Colts have kept it pretty steady. Like they definitely didn't dive right back into the Curtis Painter era. I don't know. Like you like you're saying justifying the Colts organization being good isn't hard in my I mean opinion.
1: it's it's a quarterback driven league. I mean it has been for the last, right. you know, couple decades and like you mentioned when, when Luck walked away that really set them back but Look at the building blocks. That offensive line is stacked. Stacked. The the, the, the D is really good. So they've they've done a good job building a team around things. And and was the Wentz move? Maybe that wasn't Ballard's number one choice, but you had to get a placeholder, whether it was going to be him or not, and you got to take a chance on him. If he would have reverted back to form that he showed in, in, in Philly, that's a great pick. There are a lot of doubters out there. He had a lot of crazy injuries, so you can't fault Ballard too much for making that move because that's probably a Frank Reich decision there. That you know, I'm going to get to your guy. Let's see what happens here. You know, the draft they gave up for him wasn't wasn't too crazy, so that move made sense from them because they're trying to plug holes right now. But moving forward, like you said, Colts, Browns, you know, we're talking Ravens, we're talking you know Steelers, Packers, Patriots. These are the organizations I want to pull my guys from, and that's the direction the Bears seem to be going.
2: Yep. I mean, look, I hate putting this in terms that sound so negative, but given that Ryan Pace was as focused as he was on winning immediately, it's honestly, you could side grade to somebody like Jeff Ireland, and I would still consider it a positive hire. But the fact that you're bringing in guys... Morocco Brown's got a scouting background. I love the guys that are a little more analytical, if only because it's not that I think numbers win you football games, right? Football's played on a football field. It's not played on a spreadsheet. That's not lost on me. What I love about people that are pro analytics is that it just shows me that they're willing to use all the tools at their disposal to find a winning edge and try things, right? The Browns are willing to figure out what makes things work in football. The Ravens are willing to be on the cutting edge and All that's great. When you end up with a Brandon Staley in Los Angeles, I don't necessarily credit their front office to that forward-thinking mindset so much as their coach, though I guess they're the ones that hired him. But the, the candidates that they have... Right now, I think Brown is an improvement from pace and he'll have the leash to make whatever decisions necessary. I think Ortiz would be a killer hire. I think Khan would be a killer hire. A lot of guys to get excited about, though, like you talked about Lester, there's a major buffer between what we actually know about any of these people as on field product analysts versus what we're hearing about these guys in back channels.
1: You know, I think the best case scenario for the Bears is they bring in a couple of guys here. You know, obviously that's better, you know, more new blood for the franchise. But you talked about a little bit about a scouting background, you know, but a GM, not all GMs have a scouting background. Nope. Some have some have more of a, of a cap background. Some, like I said, more more analytics, you know, you know, understanding the whole process behind everything that you want to have it points to that you want to have a GM that's, that's a leader. You know, he has to understand how to, de- how to delegate things. That's where I, I think maybe Ryan Pace may have, may have faltered because there were some parts of Ryan Pace's job that he was very, very good at, but there are other parts of his job where you're like, why are you trading up and, and, and making a move for this guy in the draft when we can let the board come to us? Um, and then of course his free agency decisions. So why are you paying Danny Treveson so much money when he's, you know, he's, he's 29 years old at this point point? you have a guy that you, that, the franchise drafted in house that uh, you you can sign, you know, just the fact that he does not let the market come to him. And you know, I think if you have a, a GM in place that has an ability to delegate, he's a good leader. Uh, he knows where his strengths and weaknesses are and he can lean on his team. I think that's what the bears need moving forward.
2: Absolutely. I, again, like we talked about, it's just a matter of finding somebody that can lead the team and do so to look for that winning edge. And I think they've got a lot of good choices here. The only thing I'm really worried about, truly, Lester, is that they're taking so long to get through the end of interviews in a league where the Giants made the decision to move on from Joe Judge late, (laughs) like brought in, uh, what is it, Joe Sheen, was it? Joe Shine. Joe Shine, thank you, uh, and hired him days later. Like maybe they had something lined up beforehand, but everybody else feels like they're moving quickly and the bears are not done yet with their first round of interviews and won't be until next Wednesday. For, and well, that's it, it.
1: That's if things don't get postponed again. Cause yeah, it's, it's the thing with the interview process. I understand how the fans are upset. They want, they want it. They want a guy now, but don't we all it's, it's, it's not a race. I mean, just the fact that you hired the first it's a guy, a bit of a race, <laughs> just,
0: it's, just well, a little. It,
1: it's a race, but like there's no award for hiring the first guy. Right. So, so if, if Joe shine goes to New York and Joe shine sucks, now the Giants are going to say, "Man, why did you why did you hire this guy so quick? You should sure. have you know vetted more, more more candidates." So, as long as it, this process does not drag out too long, and as long as the Bears don't put the head coach on the same level as the GM, that they could the, they bring the GM and let the GM have a say so on the head coach. I don't want no more arranged marriages like we had with uh, with Ryan Pace and John Fox. That's that's horrible process. Right? Hire hire your GM, let your GM make the call because that's. That's who the GM will be working lockstep with in for the next decade if things go right. So the GM's got to make that call.
2: Right. But,
1: you know, I,
2: I would love to say yes, and that's exactly what the Bears are doing. But Lester, it kind of... There's a little bit of a hint of arranged marriage coming to it, but like you're saying, is look as long as they pick and arrange a marriage that the GM is in on, that's what yeah, matters to me. That's fine. Does that make sense? Like hiring, let's let me pick one. Right, hiring Matt Eberflus and Morocco Brown at the same time. Sure. They're both the Colts like yeah. that would more than likely be Morocco Brown's
1: pick in the first place, but they have a relationship already. But now I'm starting to bleed into coach talk and you know, yeah. we've got to do that after All the sponsors. Right. Let's take a quick break here. and Then we'll uh, jump right back into things talking about the uh, head coaching.
3: When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000
0: travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil a. Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. All
1: right, we are back. This is T formation conversation. I'm Lester Wildfong. I'm joined, of course, today by Robert Schmitz. And uh, we just went through all the general manager candidates, all the confirmed interviews, and some guys that are coming up here next week. So let's now jump over and talk about the head coach search. And, and the most recent head coach in Canada interview, I believe they just had Todd Bowles, uh, DC of the Bucks, and Dan Quinn, DC of the Cowboys, in on a Saturday morning. Um, yesterday on Friday, they talked to Bill's defense coordinator, Leslie Frazier, former Chicago Bear, former 1985 my Chicago friends. Bear. So that is going to be the guy, my friends. Uh, of course, they also talked with Bucks O.C., Byron Leftwich. They've talked to... What else we got here? We got here. We got Brian Dable from the Buffalo Bills, Mm -hmm. their OC. They talked to him. Uh, They've also spoken with Green Bay officer coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, They've also spoken with Miami assistant head coach, quarterbacks coach, former Detroit Lion head coach, former Colts head coach, Jim Caldwell. Um, Brian Flores has already had an interview. And they've also, of course, talked to Eagles, former head coach, Doug peterson and, and the one guy they've spoken with and have a callback already scheduled is matt Eberflus, the colts offensive of coordinator or defense coordinator i'm sorry so so of the guys you've already spoken with robert which one of those guys are you uh you kind of like in there
2: well so we got to go back to the tier concept right here there we go i like the offensive guys first and foremost look i feel like in chicago it is hard you have to be basically mel tucker running somebody else's defense to have a bad defense in Chicago. We could say it out loud, the city's just blessed in that capacity. I mean, it's it's challenging. You got to have next to nothing seemingly to have a bad offense in, or a bad defense in Chicago, but bad offense is as common as I don't know, what, a good hot dog in the city like it's it's wild and the bears have to fix this offensive problem it's not just a justin fields thing we can we can set justin fields aside in this conversation lester the bears will never win a super bowl unless they can 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 consistently score more than 24 points and if they could score more than 24 points consistently oh my gosh this fan base would see a different team instead lester we're consistently watching a team that despite good defensive performances despite consistently holding teams that are that outperform 20 points the bears will hold them to a 17 to 6 loss like the ones that we had like the one we saw against the vikings and such so much so that bears fans are harder on their own defenders than i think any other fan base in the league just about but i digress the point is I, I want to see the Bears hire the best coach possible. And I understand that they're hiring a head coach, not an offensive coordinator. And what that means to me is that they're not bringing in Brian Dable or Byron Leftwich to be the offensive coordinator. You're going to get their philosophy and you're going to get probably an offensive foundation that then the OC will go to build on. The bright side about hiring somebody offensive is I think that they will see the problem for what it is, right? The Bears half to fix their offense. They were just about last in the NFL if they were and they were last outright in throwing the ball despite playing three separate quarterbacks at all across the season. I mean, it was it was beyond embarrassing, let alone the way that they handled the situation, let alone the way that the team looked when they were out on the field running a mushy offense that somehow felt like it was simultaneously running only about 3 to 4 plays in a given week, and also committing illegal formations, false starts, like illegal, or what is it, illegal shifts consistently that just made the team look like it wasn't practicing well. I mean, I love... Brian Dables like vertical spread hybrid Shanahan style line up in every single formation and run it six different ways like offense I think they do a great job adjusting to what's in front of them I think it's hard to look at Tampa Bay and not be excited about the offensive personnel that they have and the way that they use them we've seen Byron Leftwich produce well with Jameis Winston we've seen him produce well with uh, obviously Tom Brady won a Super Bowl there and Bruce Arians says that he doesn't even go to the offensive meetings I mean if Bruce is the CEO head coach then that's that works really well for Byron Leftwich even though we obviously heard Andy Reid talk up Matt Nagy as one of the best head coaching candidates he's ever had if not the best so I know I'm throwing a lot at you here Lester because we can get to the defensive guys in a second but I really worry about bringing a defensive head coach in to solve what I think is an offensive problem because I feel like that is setting a head coach up for trouble
1: well, it's an offensive league. I mean, that's how the NFL wants it. That's why they've changed so many rules, you know, geared towards helping the offense out. You know, they want points scored. So, I mean, you're you're setting yourself back if you don't at least put a lot of emphasis in that, on that side of the ball, which is kind of where the Bears have been, you know, the last few years. They spent so much more money on defense, which, you know, defense wins championships. Okay, yeah, that that's great. But, you know, you have to score points. And, and Bears' offense just hasn't been able to get to that point to where they've been consistent. I mean, the last few years of Matt Nagy's offenses have been, historically trash I mean it's just like what are they doing here when when Adam Gase's offense is you know putting up more points than you it's just so much stuff he did from a schematic standpoint just made no sense and yeah he didn't get a lot of help from the players around him you know but at the end of the day it's up to Matt Nagy to kind of bend his his way of thinking towards what he can do on offense we see worse Offensive players put up more points because they're put in better positions to win. And that wasn't Matt Nagy's job. So whether it's Brian Dable, Byron Leftwich, uh, Matt Eberflus, he's got to get his guys, you know, bent and, and molded around what works the best for his personnel.
2: Well, so you mentioned somebody that I want to get to in a second, but I do want to start by saying really the key, if I was going to be extremely simple, Lester, this is part of why I worry about Leslie Frazier, even though Leslie Frazier's defenses in Buffalo are awesome. Zero pro bowlers, despite having a top five unit, and has for quite a little while. It's a pattern match, scheme, very disguise heavy, not dissimilar to what the Bears have done with Sean Desai. In fact, funny I should mention him, Leslie Frazier's 21% of unrecognizable coverages by PFF was second only to Sean Desai's 29%, indistinguishable between zone and man, according to PFF's analysts. Say what you will about PFF, but that's a really fun little stat to me. On a defensive perspective, in a league where you're trying to stop the pass, if you can confuse the guys with clickers, you can probably confuse the quarterback in front of you. But the number one thing I'm worried about, Lester, is Vic Fangio. Defensive genius, I mean, father of, I think, the most popular scheme in defensive football right now, one of the most successful, if not the most successful, depending on the personnel that are involved with it, decided that he was going to run with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback to try to field a successful team. Naturally, they did not make the playoffs. And say what you will about the fact that, yes, also, Vic Fangio's defense didn't perform as well as you want. That is the defensive-minded thinking that worries me about some of these guys, On the other hand, there is one candidate that stands out. His name is Matt Eberflus, where he comes from a Missouri background, where the teams that he was on, I mean, these were the Chase Daniel offenses back in the day that were just throwing, scoring, thriving. They weren't defending well. They didn't have crazy dudes on defense, but Matt Eberflus has been part of teams that win through the air, that that he understands... Suffice to say, Lester, I think he walked away from this last season with Carson Wentz not beating the Jacksonville Jaguars and missing the playoffs, recognizing you can't win every football game scoring less than 10, right? So I tend to think that Eberflus comes with a background, not to mention what I've always heard is at his core, right, is that he's preparation-oriented. He is what I heard described as a Monday-to-Saturday coach. And I think that everything that you talked about, about Matt Nagy, lack of preparation, players looking all over the place, messy, messy offense, Eberflus would prepare his guys. He sees that as the whole game, that the game is decided on Monday through Saturday. I think that's a good attitude for the Bears to have. If there is a defensive hire that I'm more than okay with, it's Everfluss at this point. And it took me a little while to get around to that, but if you don't get Leftwich, who I think is a phenomenal candidate, or Dabble, who's my personal number one, Everfluss is somebody I'd be more than happy with. The rest worry me a little. Like, I know you've got opinions on him. Take it you know, away. As
1: far, as far as Brian Dabble goes, you know, one thing you hear a lot of people say is, he doesn't commit to the run, which has kind of been a little debunked because as down the stretch the Bills ran much more effectively than they did throughout the season. But I think a lot of it is because Brian Dable, like we talked about, he plays to the strengths of his team. If 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 they're facing a, a defense that's stout against the run, why keep pounding the rock there when you don't have to? When there's other things you can do as an offense from a schematic standpoint with the flares, the the, the bubbles, the screens, right? You know, the, the little the little quick passes to get your guy in space. That's an extension of the run game. That's old school West Coast style offense. That's kind of what that happened, where you know you can you can do those use those quick short passes as, as an extension of the run. And yes, I know there's some a uh, 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 philosophy where you want to pound a guy, you want to impose your will on a defense. And then I get that there there's a a real point to that. I mean that's that's real. That's your old line, you know, roughing up a defense. That's that's something you want to have happen. But sometimes you just don't have the personnel to do it. Yeah. And I think with Brian Dable, he understands that. And I think Brian Dable, I think he gets the best out of his players. And, of course, what he's done with Josh Allen has been phenomenal.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I love Josh Allen. Who doesn't love Josh Allen? It's like watching. It's so fun. It's so, I mean, fun, yeah. so fun. But we got to be honest with ourselves. Josh Allen, a ball of talent, is also a total chaotic mess as a player. I mean, yeah. the stuff he's willing to try is sometimes just lunatic level. And the stuff he's willing to or the passes that he can complete or the runs he can make match that. Right, But we're not watching a player with Tom Brady's control. We're not watching a player that makes you, I don't know, the only way I could think about it is like when Russell Wilson, especially when he was younger, used to just run around in the pocket. You got this feel that he was unbeatable. And Josh Allen is like watching somebody wobble his way to total and extreme success on any given down. And you got to credit Dabble to channel that. Right? And like you talked about, you talked about screens, you talked about flares, you talked about all the stuff that I think drives up Dabble's pass count. I get it. He throws a ridiculous amount. A lot of those are passes that only Demir Bird would drop. They get his running back, they get the running back involved without having to just hand it to him and expect your offensive line to block perfectly. You said it well. I mean, come on, Lester. Is there any outside run concept better than? theoretically what is a pass when you have your two wide receivers on the left side of the line, they run like a go and a deep post to clear out the defense and then just have your running back flare out. It's him one-on-one versus a linebacker with like four yards of headway. And if he beats him, you're looking at a first down. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that gets credited as a pass because we want to give our quarterbacks as much statistical success as possible. Their sack yards don't even come off their passing yard total (laughs) for crying out loud. But to me, you don't have to run the ball by giving it to a running back every single time. Your quarterback can run it. Your, your your running back can catch it. Your wide receivers can catch it behind the line of scrimmage. It always makes me wonder, Lester, why in this day and age of football, we don't consider everything that starts behind the line of scrimmage. Like any ball that is caught and a runner starts from there, its own statistic besides this run-pass balance that always has to come back to, did David Montgomery get 35 carries? If not, I hate the Bears.
1: No, I think that's one of those analytics. That I think one of those sites are going to eventually dive into. You mentioned those quick little tap passes, those shovel passes. You know, those little quick things. That's a running play. That's a safe running it play because it counts as a pass. Just feels through a 45-yard yeah, pass, pass to Jakeem
2: Grant that wasn't 45 yards to
1: say it's, the it's, least. It's, it's one of those quick little things. It's like it's it's almost like an inside handoff, but there's a little separation. So if by chance there's a, it's not clean. It's just an incomplete pass. If that guy is, whatever, for whatever reason, if he bobbles it and and, and he gets tackled behind a line of scrimmage, he doesn't have a clean catch. That's, that's not a clean catch. It's an incomplete pass. So so I think that at some point, one of these analytic companies are going to dive into those numbers a little bit. They may already have. I just, you know, there's so many out there I've had a chance to dive into all of those different stats. I know Pro Football Focus does a great job with that. You know, there's some other sites out there I kind of peruse every now and again. So the hidden yardage, you know, those little things like that, I think that's a, that's a great way to look at things and, with Brian Dable, he understands that, you know, at the end of the day, let's get the football in my playmaker's hands, however it takes. And I can't believe Roger given a, a guy like Demir Bird, some some stray shots here. What's
2: going on? I just can't believe how many of those screens he tried. <laughs> I really can't. Yeah. I mean, the Bears screen game, that that probably drove me craziest about the Matt Nagy era. It's why, whether it's Leftwich, Eberflus, Dabble, those are the three that stick out to me. Because when I hear about preparation, right, I think about all of those wide receiver screens that the Bears used to try and stopped trying. Because their wide receivers couldn't block worth a darn. And, like, I just think about the way that the Bears almost seemed to have this deep disconnect between what their players did and what they were going to try to be good at, right? I mean, I don't actually think Anthony Miller was naturally a terrible blocker, but I don't know if they ever practiced blocking from the wide receiver level. Like, I'm not trying to throw stray shots at Mike Fury either, but past a certain point, Lester, you got to think somebody besides Darnell Mooney would be able to block decently from the wide receiver position, and it was truly nobody. I mean... Watching the way that the Bears went about offense, it wasn't just blank player isn't playing well. I could bring up Mitch here. I am I think I'm just about brave enough to do that. It wasn't just, oh, it's all Drabisky's fault. Hindsight is 20-20, and hindsight analysis isn't really analysis. We know that. But watching it, it wasn't just a quarterback problem. I wish it was, right? Nick Foles clearly showed us it wasn't just a quarterback problem. And then Andy Dalton reinforced it, despite whatever I thought at the time. But the offense didn't even seem to know what they wanted to be good at. If they wanted to be good at something, they didn't practice it. To Suffice to say, Dabble and Leftwich don't do that. And Eberflus's defense don't prepare that way either. Even though everybody's dogging on Leslie Frazier. He's been a perfectly solid coach. Apparently, he's a nice guy. Yes, it took him, what was this, his 14th year as a coordinator to really have like true success as a Bills guy. But what they're doing from a disguise perspective, it's cool. Todd Bowles, I don't actually love his scheme believe it or not they're aggressive very as aggressive yeah but if you put Kendall vildor on all the islands that uh let's not talk about Kendall vildor on this show i have to <laughs> currently the bears don't have that many corners yeah, like yeah. the way that d- todd bowles exposes his dbs i don't think would play well on a team that didn't have the dudes that they have at like at corner but d- when when you do have the talent that Bowles has that defense sparkles i mean it's one of the most fun to watch on television because so much happens within the frame of the broadcast view not to mention i mean he's he's probably my favorite retread i don't want to steal your thunder but of the guys that have been head coaches before which obviously means they got fired before so there's more danger than i think some people want to admit he's somebody that i think could do well given a second chance but i don't know i think i think i've got my top three pretty set what about you
1: you know, one of the things I like about Dable and about Leftwich is is they come from successful organizations. Uh, they work with successful head coaches, obviously. You know, Brian Dable has five rings from his time
0: what? in New England. You know,
1: he also has has a title when he was uh, in college with Nick Saban uh, as as the assistant on that staff. So, you know, he, when you're around greatness, as long as you are, and then you look at a guy like Leftwich, he's been, of course, around Arians. He's been around uh, Tom Brady now for a couple of years. So. When you're around greatness, you know, that kind of rubs off on you. And that's something you can kind of share and impart on your new team you're going to. So I think that's part of the evaluation process. You have to look at what these guys learned in their past. And I know a lot of people want to say that, you know, the Bill Belichick coaching tree doesn't have that much success. But, you know, Brian Dable's part of that. And I think, you know, Brian Dable has shown – you know, he's his own man. He's not just a Bill Belichick disciple. He's, you know, he does his own thing and he understands what he wants to do. And, you know, t- you talked about a lot of his, 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 his players, they all rave about him, you know, his coaching staff, they all, they all rave about him. And, you know, that takes us back to the oil. Oh, well, they said the same thing about Matt Nagy, but of course, you know, they're all going to talk about their guys in, in glowing right. fashion, you know, but unless you're getting a, a retread who, you know, has commanded a room, you know, has led a franchise, you know, he's been out there front and center with the press, you know, every week. You know, until you see what they can do, it's all an unknown. Oh yeah. For me for me, I am okay with with Dabble. I'm okay with Leftwich. I'm okay with Eberflus. There's really no one in this process as a head coach or even a GM candidate where I say, please don't hire that guy. I have one. I mean you have one. Yeah. I mean I've who's your one? Who's your one? Well, I
2: guess I've two. I don't want to hire Jim Caldwell. No third time head coach has been successful. You get fired once, maybe it's the Jets' fault. I get it. The Jets seem to ruin I mean, literally everybody. Uh, So maybe Bowles will be fine, right? Maybe somehow Leslie Frazier figures it out, even though the Vikings tend, I mean, if you fail in Minnesota, you tend to fail, just period. Um, But two-time head coaches that get hired a third time, you're talking John Fox, right? You're talking pairing a first-time GM with John Fox again. And I just hate that to the core of my being. I also would love for anyone else to hire Dan Quinn. Don't ask me why, because he coached the heck out of a Cowboys defense that also got smoked by San Fran or smoked enough to lose. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo did everything he could to lose that game, and they still won. Um, But after everything that happened in Atlanta, after what we've seen... There's a lot of pro Dan Quinn stuff out there, Lester, and I would rather not.
1: So at this well, the, point, the stop with Quinn. I mean, in Atlanta, that was the Cal Cal Shanahan show. I mean, that was that was his offense was clicking during his run, and you know, I'm not sure how good his defenses were at that point, but I, I guess I'd be I, mean, I guess I'm there with you with Quinn. I mean, if Quinn's, I mean, I, again, I'm not going to hate it because you know, league wide, he, he spoke of again. People think he's he's as well deserving. He's done a great job in Dallas. You know, uh, it's not the most exciting. Same with Caldwell, not the most exciting. But I'm intrigued at a chance a guy like Caldwell get another shot. I'd rather it not be in Chicago. Oh gosh, but because I just think that the Bears are in a unique situation now. Brand new GM, brand new head coach, second year quarterback. You're in a, a unique situation for a, a, a soft rebuild, so to speak, on the entire franchise. And if right. you get if you get the head coach GM in place, you know, and you get. Them working as cohesively with Justin Fields as we all hope as Bears fans, these three guys can be together for a really, really long time.
2: Lester, you say soft rebuild, like a three year rebuild, like Ryan Pace led us through, is
1: normal. A full rebuild is a year long process. Yeah. Like, well, the, the, you know, the fact that they have Justin Fields in place that, that kind of changes the process. You know, you're not going to be no. like a reset because <laughs> that's Justin the difference. Feels, what if I said rebuild,
2: there. not reset, right? Yeah, yeah, where you're building that core, but. Yeah, like you're talking about. I mean, I, I'm not trying to dog on Jim Caldwell's coach. Actually, as an offensive coach, he's pretty, I don't want to say exciting, but he's as good as you will find in many circles. And if they hired him as an offensive coordinator, my opinion completely changes. It's that head coach yeah. role that I don't think Caldwell's going to be your best bet, especially given the candidates they got. And Lester, you and I could make this the Dabble show or Dable. Uh, I don't know, I actually know how to pronounce it, but you and I could make this. A
1: super pro dayball show, we'd have to bring in Jeff Berkus for it. I case, am very that is his guy. Oh, sure,
2: sure, but I'm really worried he's earmarked for New York at this point. That's and what it seems, I want to make this or I obviously then want to prop up Byron Leftwich. I mean, despite or I talked about him earlier about a lot of things that I like about it, but schematically, his he heavy emphasis on getting the matchup he wants the run game in Tampa is beautiful with how they blend power run and zone concepts I mean Lester is an offensive line guy go take a look at the way that they get their pin and pull scheme working to get Leonard Fournette and like Tristan Wirfs and one of their other good like Ryan Jensen all pulling right in front against two guys I mean they do such a good job coaching teaching and just flowing their linemen around to keep defensive linemen guessing in a way where down the back stretch of the season they really weren't for Chicago I don't know if you recognize this Lester cuz their their offense always was top 10 in rushing but by the yeah. end of the season it was surprisingly boomer bust not a lot of 4 to 5 yard runs more like 11 yards stuff stuff loss of one 11 yards stuff yeah. stuff yeah. 8 yards i mean it was funny kind of watching the chicago run game where other teams acted like they knew what was coming they were right uh but so all that to say like Left, which is probably earmarked for Jacksonville. So somewhere. if that's the case, if the Bears are third to the feeder, so to speak, Eberfluss is somebody that I can be very happy with. And if it's a brown Eberflus pairing and it's an arranged marriage, the Bears could fall backwards into a head coach-GM pairing that, look, am I about to tell you on this podcast that there's any key to success in head coaching? No, because I really like Frank Reich, and he was the second choice. He was an aftermarket hire for crying out loud. Like, there is no secret sauce. There is no good way to say this guy will be the leader that the the Bears need. But I like that pairing philosophically. Preparation mindset – Colt's background works together in the past. You've got somebody who's going to run a cover two scheme, even if it's spot drop and it's not my favorite, who knows? Maybe he honestly, I'm going to say something ridiculous. I don't know who would come uh, as far as defensive coordinator, but given Eberflus's cover two background, Sean Desai can't be out of the question there. Like that actually might be a retention scenario, but, but who knows? That's probably talking on the side of my mouth, but I don't know. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as the, the the defensive guys, I mean, Bears fans love Sean Desai. I mean, he's he's a guy that I think part of it is because he's 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 one of our guys. I mean, he he survived the Tressman era for crying out loud. So I think part of the Desai uh, uh, the fans really liking what Sean Desai did is because he's been here so long, and of course, look what he did with. You mentioned him already, Kendall Vildor. And, and Duke Shelley and Artie Burns as his corners and, and Tayshawn Gibson as his And safety. it was
2: one game I loved Thomas Graham. I mean, like, that's, to me, player development. That you went from a guy who looked completely useless in the preseason to somebody who, by the end of the season... Dare I say it, Lester? I would start him at center, at cornerback two and go from there. Obviously, you got to sign somebody and uh, like to compete with him. You want more depth than just oh, well, if Graham doesn't work, we're hosed. I am Ryan Pace with the Kendall Vildor choice. Uh, but
1: yeah, pro to <laughs> You know, real quick, let's talk about the guys the Bears have interview requests out to. Yes, uh, they haven't quite had a chance to meet with yet. And I think because Bowles and Quinn both met. On Saturday morning or on Saturday, there's only one guy. Yeah, there's only one guy left, and that is uh, Dennis Allen of the Saints, the Saints, D.C.
2: Right. And, hey, look, Dennis Allen fits in that same category as, I think, anyways, Doug Peterson,
1: right? Very good
2: coach. I don't think the Bears should hire them. Like Peterson, he's a West Coast base, and despite the fact that I think he did get kind of a raw deal in Philadelphia, I mean, quite literally, he got fired over quarterback fracture. and Carson Wentz went over and you're mixing Peterson into and Allen up.
1: You're talking Dennis a- Dennis Allen. You're mixing. I know, I know. I'm bringing oh, Peterson you're going- into it. Oh, you're, uh,
2: you're all over it. I can't <laughs> even keep up with you. No worries. Allen's <laughs> another coach that doesn't get enough credit for just how good that Saints defense is. Right? Yeah. I just don't know how he would connect with most of the GM candidates we're talking about. I mean, if Horitz or Khan or Brown are out there saying, I want Dennis Allen. I'm surprised, but I don't think he's the one on the top of their list. Like, I can't tell if they're interviewing Allen on account of maybe they hired Jeff Ireland. But a part of me thinks that in a world where they hired, or they're interviewing, what did you say it was? Sixteen GM yeah, like, candidates, like sixteen, yeah. That Dennis Allen might have just been available, and that means they were going to interview him. Good coach. I don't think he meshes with the Bears' direction going forward.
1: So if everything plays out like like it should, and the Bears should have a GM and at least have their finalists. They already have one finalist seemingly. They should have a couple finalists, you know, by next week. And you would, you'd hope the bears get a a brand new GM in place at some point in the next week. And if that's the case, you know, he'll of course have to go through all the head coach uh, uh, zoom uh, uh, tapes. So will have to watch all those videos. He may want to bring us some guys to talk to a second time. Right. And he may have some guys on his own that he may want to talk with. So the head coaching hire It may last, probably pushed uh, maybe to past Super Bowl week.
2: Well, so I know we're not talking about playoffs here, Lester, but if there is one thing I think for Bears to root for, it is the Buccaneers and the Bills. I mean, seriously, if the comment on the Bears thing is that they're taking too long, right? And that as the Capman talked about the other day, David Capman, that people around the league are getting frustrated with just how slow they are playing this Well, the whole league is basically waiting on Byron Leftwich, Brian Dable, even Leslie Frazier, technically kind of, because he's attached to Dable's team, and Todd Bowles. All four of them are huge in this head coaching search. And Matt Eberflus even is going to understand that he's probably not getting offered a job until those four are free in some capacity, right? So the longer they stay in the playoffs... The better it is for the Bears, who are taking too long, in my personal opinion, as is. I am not trying to be somebody, Lester, that just wants to rush to hire somebody. I get it. These things take time. But I do think that there is something to be said for when the job market is quick hire, right, where open to close is traditionally an average of about seven to eight days. The Bears stretching this search 21 days long is not a great way to do things. you got to meet your candidates in the middle, in my opinion, but well, this,
1: this kind of goes back to what we we're talking about earlier how how it's it's not really a rush to be first. Let's say you know Dable and Leftwich, you know those two teams are. Let's say you meet in, in 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 the whole the big game. Let's say they meet in Super Bowl and you're waiting for those guys. And during this whole process, the 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 Jags hire someone else. They hire Eberflus. You know the other teams are looking for head coaches. They like they get antsy and they hire their guys. And now the Bears are basically left with Leftwich or or Dable. I think that'd be a good spot to be, be in for great. the Bears. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. We we blasted the Bears during the Foles era, and hey, Ike Foles is fine. I think you and I were probably the two most positive people on Windy City Gridiron about Nick Foles, and I think I'm I don't actually don't think I'm kidding. I don't know if that's hyperbole, yeah. but even then, you did a
1: video on Foles. I know, uh, but
2: even <laughs> even then, had they waited on Andy Dalton or waited for the last quarterback standing, they certainly would have gotten a cheaper deal. In this rare case. Patience might truly be a virtue, where it's it's kind of a game of chicken, right, Lester? As long as the Bucks and the Bills are still in the playoffs, everybody's waiting on the same guys, and it's just a matter of who's willing to stay in to wait for him.
1: I mean, I guess technically you could offer the job to Leftwich if you're the Bears or if you're another team. You could offer them the job, but I think you'd want to have their full, you know, you want to have that that hardcore. Final interview with your guy, and I don't think you want to put a, a guy that's you know in the Super Bowl going for that you know going through that ordeal. You think you want to wait for them to finish, but there's a lot of a lot of ways the Bears can go for the Bears, and and mm-hmm. as fans as fans, we just hope this is the uh, as as Bill Zimmerman said on his last huge rant uh, last week, <laughs> you know a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Hopefully, this is the final time the Bears finally get things right here because process and, and the whole thing has been pretty bad. The last uh, several decades. Oh sure, but
2: truly, it's hard to put into words how bad the coaching—like it's—it. I hate that word, coaching, Lester. It feels sometimes like it could be a fan catch-all, where it's like Cole Kmet is good, the coaching's bad, or something like that. And I'm not trying to use Kmet as a lightning rod. Borum for too instance, late. It's—it's uh, <laughs> it's more to say that when I want a player to be good, right? and they don't perform well, I can just blame the coaching, because other player that I don't like is playing really well. I don't know. Let's just use Mac Jones, for example. And that means that Justin Fields isn't being used well. And that's something I legitimately believe. Like, it, it can just sound ridiculous sometimes. But... The, the system that the Bears were running, the way, the process with which they prepared for opponents, the product that they put onto the field was disorganized. It was it, it was lifeless at times. I mean, it was as if they were churning the playbook and somehow making it smaller on a week-to-week basis and still couldn't get lined up correctly. I'm not surprised that Matt Nagy seemed to have legitimate problems with using Nick Foles, given that Nick Foles likes to auto. And his own wide receivers seemed to be confused on the bottom half of the playbook. Suffice to say, I don't I don't know. Hard to tell when you're watching all 22 what things are in the meeting rooms. But all that to say, Lester, I actually think it would be hard for the Bears to end up worse off than they were two months ago. I mean... The new GM implicitly has time to make rational, like, choices. He doesn't have to act like one signing, one draft pick is going to fix the team, right? And even if Justin Fields doesn't live up to billing, which, gosh, I hope he does, I think he's got so much natural talent that he showed in this last season and does so many things that are hard in quarterbacking easier than others, not to mention that last Vikings game, he just looked top to bottom like a dramatically better quarterback than he ever did against, say, Cleveland. And that's the development you want to see. Even if Justin Fields doesn't work out, you still have to have a GM and a head coach that are going to take the best of their team and play to it. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, were not doing that. And so whether it's Leftwich, whether it's Dabble, whether it's almost literally anybody, trying to out Matt Nagy, the worst offense in the league, will be difficult. I mean, I, I hate saying that Lester, it might not no, it's, be it's a true. one year process. It's true.
1: It, it is a hundred percent true. You know, pace, daggy era started with such promise, obviously 2018, but as, as the, the year, la- yeah, as, as, as the last years played on, it just seemed like, you know, they talked about how, how they would collaborate and they would do things. But then you look at the, the draft picks, and you looked at some of the free agency decisions and, and you're left wondering are they are they really in lockstep like why are they making some of these moves where it doesn't make sense because matt Nagy's not getting the best of them on the field so then it's, it's it's a coaching is it personal decisions you know the fact that they're they're both gone and and i think a lot of us thought that pace would survive this somehow i think it's it's the best thing for the franchise you know they're both gone you know they're getting this this reset here with the gm Um, maybe a a assistant GM as well some fresh new blood in the front office brand new coach let's get him going let's get this thing uh moving forward with Justin Fields as as the guy
2: can't wait not to mention once we fire hire or finally hire an offensive coordinator we can actually start diving into what scheme might look like defensive coordinator too obviously but I just I just love watching offense
1: and we're going to stay tuned for that on Run Pass Opinion yeah. YouTube channel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but that sounds like a good place for us to end here. Uh, make sure you guys all follow Robert on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. Follow me at Jr., And, of course, WindyCityGridiron.com. Everything we do, we'll throw there somehow, way. So until next time, bear down, my friends. Bear
0: down. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry.